Hello and welcome to Siren Sports' second official podcast. I am your host, Alison Smirnoff, and today we will be wrapping up the AFLW draft. I am wrapped to be joined by our resident AFLW oracle, Gemma Bastiani. How are you Hello. going, Gem? I'm good. I'm actually standing for this recording, which I haven't done in a long time because I'm up and about today. Yeah, right. You're, you're serious. This is We're really going to get into this, aren't we? Well, this is my favourite thing and I've had a really good day, so we're good. Oh, excellent. So why don't we jump like jump right into it? Yeah. Um, we're going to go club by club, each selection. We're going to talk about each player. Uh, then we're going to do a little wrap-up of yep. where each club is, is standing after the trade period slash draft. Yes. Um, so let's get stuck in. Heck yeah. Adelaide Crows. Adelaide Crows. Yes. Their first pick was Tia Charlton from South Adelaide with pick four. Mm-hmm. She's a midfielder. What can you tell us about her? So she's just she's a midfielder who is very aware on the field, is very aware of what's happening around her and can play to the conditions really well. So I think that especially given the retirements that Adelaide had um, through their midfield in terms of maturity, not just skill in the offseason, she's a massive, massive pickup for them and I expect she'll debut very early next season and get a quite a few games under her belt pretty quickly. Okay. Next one was Rochelle Martin from West Adelaide with pick 45. She's another midfielder. Yeah, so Rochelle actually played in round one for Adelaide this year. She was their injury replacement player, so when they were pretty low on stock, she played. She's the sister of Hannah Button, um, formerly Hannah Martin, who got married but was inactive this year. She actually was the joint winner of the Sandful W um, best and fairest this year with Anne Hatchard. Mm -hmm. So I think that tells you what you need to know about her is that she's really grown in the past year and a half or so, but she can really take it to the best midfielders in the competition. So I think she'll really be able to assist um, in some midfield depth and and help them find a little bit more of a point of difference because I think Adelaide this year very much had two midfielders that do a lot of the same instead of complementing one another. Mm Mm-hmm. And their last pick was Ashley Woodland from North Adelaide with pick 47. Now, she spent some time at Melbourne in 2019. Yeah, so for anyone who followed on Twitter uh, my live tweeting of this uh, draft, I was obviously on a video chat with you during the draft and I got very excited when Ash got picked up. I, she's she's a feel-good story for me. Um, she was playing a defence for the Ds in 2019. She got four games and was delisted at the end of the season. She's gone back to the Sandfall and she's actually moved into the midfield and, and the half forward line really, and she's absolutely excelled. Her skills have gone to a new level. She impacts the game, I think, far better now that she's playing up the field. I think because of the number of midfielders Adelaide have now, she'll be better used at the half forward line kicking either at goal or delivering the ball inside 50. I'm so excited to see her back on a list. Okay, so pre-trade period. Yes, uh, trying to remember now. You you looked at uh, (laughs) what each club needed. With Adelaide, you pointed out that they're probably going to have a lot of players returning from injury, Mm -hmm. Um, but they were really looking to build midfield depth, especially with the loss of some of those players through retirement. Um, And plus you also pointed out, uh, strong and agile players to complement the Adelaide Crows ball winners. Mm-hmm. Now that the um, draft is done and dusted, how do you think they're sitting? 
Yeah, I really like the position Adelaide's in. Obviously, with them, it's all about how many of those players they can get back that miss most of this season and how many games they can play next year. I think players like Chloe Shear, um, guys like that coming through, if they can get on the park more often than not next year, Adelaide's in a really good position. What I want to see from them next year is a non-reliance on Aaron Phillips. So... Mm. Prior to season 2020, I wrote a piece about why Adelaide's 2019 season was so good. Um, statistically, it's the best season we've ever seen in the AFLW, including Fremantle's performance this year. Wow. And Fremantle this year was such a dominant team. They were impressive. Adelaide's, Adelaide scored higher than any other team in the competition last year. They um, had a more even spread at goal that any other club has had in the competition last year that they, they were just humming. And we saw in 2017 when they won the flag, when Erin Phillips dominated, same thing happened in 2018 when she didn't play. And this year when she didn't play, they couldn't get that happening. So what I want to see is, can they do it without her? That is the big question because until they show that they can, there's no reason to expect an Erin Phillips less Adelaide can do anything positive in terms of um, impacting finals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next club is Brisbane. Their first pick was Zimmy Farquharson from Yoronga with pick eight. She's a dynamic forward. What can you tell us about her? So she's come through the Brisbane Lions Academy. So they've kind of, and, and both the Brisbane Lions and the Gold Coast Suns Academies, they're very much developing players in the academy that are very versatile. And we'll talk about that quite a bit when we get to the Suns as well. But they're, they're definitely preparing players to fit in their team. And she's exactly that kind of player. She's a very tricky matchup um, for defenders. She's too big and um, strong for a lot of small defenders, but she's also too small and quick and agile for key position defenders. So I expect to see her really proactive off um, the feet of Jesse Wardlaw and, and Jess Wushner. So that's going to be really exciting to watch. Excellent. Uh, the next pick was Indy Tahua from South Adelaide with pick 37. What can you tell us about Indy? So she ha- moved to uh, Queensland very recently to, I think, live with one of her parents. So she's from out South, South Australia but nominated Queensland for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she is really exciting in terms of, developing a forward partnership with Farquharson. Um, She can be the big, tall forward and then Farquharson can crumb off her feet. Um, And I also like the idea of Tahua being able to release Jesse Wardlaw up the field a little bit more. So Jesse Wardlaw is still a really young player, um, but she's got so much potential, such a good leap on her. And, um, you know, Brisbane don't have the best ruck depth. So with Tahua there, it actually does release Wardlaw to do a few different things as well, which is really cool. Yeah. And their final pick, uh, a familiar name. Yes. Ruby Zvark from, well, she was actually drafted from Essendon VFLW with pick 38. Yeah. So she's actually Kathy Zvark's older sister um, and has been playing footy, I believe, for about the same time Kathy had. So Kathy had only been playing footy for two years prior to um, being drafted into the AFLW. She is super athletic. She's a running defender who can really push up onto the wing. I think... The question with her is how early she gets games and where on the field that'll happen because we know Brisbane, their backline is the most solid and uh, consistent part of their team. So whether she can push her way into that defensive line or whether they use her kind of on the other wing with Ola O'Dwyer 
being the other running winger. Um, it'll be really interesting to see when or how they choose to use Ruby Spark. Cool. And uh, pre-trade period, your kind of uh, summation of the Lions was, yes, the back line was their most solid uh, line uh, and they also had lots of young talent, uh, mm. but they needed some experienced heads to help out uh, Bates in the middle and also Wushner up forward. Yeah, so I think the really exciting things about the thing about the Lions off season was their ability to keep most of their team together, and really for the first time in their AFLW history, were they able to do that? So I think that gives them a lot of confidence. They didn't necessarily get experienced heads in because the only trade they had in was Taylor Smith, who's a young player from the Gold Coast Suns. I think that very much the attitude of Brisbane right now is get the youth coming up together as a group. So Ooh. it feels maybe like a team that may still be one year off being a real contender, but once they are, they're going to be hard to stop across the board. So I think that's how they're wanting to grow their list. And, you know, more power to them. They're largely local recruits as well, mm. which is incredibly exciting for Queensland footy. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, big fans of what Brisbane have done over the AFLW journey so far. So, um, yes. yeah. Look forward to that with interest. Yes. <laughs> okay, the next club, Carlton. <laughs> I, sorry, I don't I don't have my uh, prop done. <laughs> this time, yeah. uh, <laughs> but most of our listeners perhaps might know that I'm back <laughs> on Carlton's bandwagon. Uh, with their first selection, they picked Mimi Hill from Oakley Chargers with pick 12. Yeah, so she's the exact type of player they needed to replace Chloe Dalton, who's going to be sitting out the 2021 season um, as she's going to the Olympics with the Rugby Sevens team, uh, which is amazing. She's a quick, classy winger, and most specifically her delivery inside 50 is bang on, um, which is exactly what they need given the strength of their forward line. So if they can get someone that's a running winger that is good in terms of delivering it to players like Taylor Harris, they're going to be pretty much unstoppable, which is terrifying. <laughs> <It's> terrifying. <Yeah. laughs> Their next selection was Daisy Walker from the Sandringham Dragons with pick 28. Yeah, I, I think I saw some footage of um, Daniel Harford talking about how he was shocked that she was still available at pick 28. Mm. Um, Victoria's depth in this draft was unbelievable. Uh, Nicholas Stevens has made the move to the forward line. Jade Van Dyke has gone to the Saints. There was some space opening up in that defensive line for someone to come in and really make it their own. And we saw Laloifi kind of do that this year. And now I think we're going to see Walker do that as well. She's got speed to create that bounce out of the back line. And I think her being able to link up with running wingers like Mimi Hill or, you know, Jess Edwards or Georgia G, that really leans into the game style that Daniel Harford is really trying to push at Carlton and it's really exciting to watch. And the third selection was Winnie Lang from Sandringham Dragons with pick 36. Yeah, so Winnie is is probably a player we don't expect to see a lot of in 2021. I think she's very much a draft for the future kind of player, but she's very much a leader and she's got the uh, personality, the attitude that Carlton are really looking for. Um, I think her maturity and work ethic you could probably think of in terms of what Lucy McAvoy is talked about as. Mm. Um, so it's pretty exciting. I think you could probably liken her to Katie Loins in mm. terms of she may not be 
just quite the most skillful player yet, but she's got the personality attributes to learn a lot and be able to develop very quickly. So that's what I'm expecting them to do with her. Mm. Yeah, a lot of the media that Carlton have put out in the last couple of days, their emphasis was, you know, obviously picking talent, but um, picking people with good character. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple of clubs that have very clearly draft that way. Mm. I would say Carlton, Fremantle, and probably Melbourne are the ones that stand out to me. And then you add on the, the Queensland teams, I think, um, very much could be in that boat. But they're very clear and very open about the fact that it's, the person as much as the skill. Mm. Now, I remember pre-trade, your biggest concern about Carlton was the connection between midfield and forward. Um, so you were looking for them to get a classy winger slash half forward with um, with good skills and plus also a strong forward slash ruck to develop in the long term. Yeah, they haven't they haven't done the, the ruck or, or key forward. That's something that maybe... Um, Either there's someone already at the club they're wanting to develop into that role or something that they've got penciled in for next year's drafting. It's definitely something they need to be doing sooner rather than later because key position players or tall utilities are at a premium in the AFLW. Mm. But in terms of their wing, outside running midfielder type of player, they've absolutely done that. Go Blues. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they're... They're one of the teams that has absolutely impressed me so much in the past six months or so. Mm. Like they've they've been incredible. Well, I mean, they smashed the trade period, and yeah, they look like they've just gone got to a the really next good level. culture. Yeah, but I think also their young players are just scary good, and they're all going to come through together, <laughs> like coming through at the same time. It's yeah. just <laughs> I just know that I'm going to lose to them a lot, so. <laughs> Okay, next club is Collingwood. Uh, first father-daughter selection, Tani Brown from the Eastern Rangers, daughter of Gavin. Yes. Uh, with pick 19. Yes. So um, the father-daughter aspect is obviously significant. Um, it's a nice story. The fact that she's so close with her brothers who both play, nice story. But I think the thing that's been overlooked when we talk about Tani Brown is how good a player she is yeah. and <laughs> just why they there's so much talk about her. She's a midfielder that you could probably liken to Georgia Patrikios in terms of the way she's able to exit congestion and clear the ball. Um, it's almost like she's got so much time when other people have zero time. So that's the thing to look out for, which I think is really good given the kinds of midfielders Collingwood have right now in terms of their, their contested in and under ball winners rather than... Um, I guess, agile clearing players. So I think she'll complement what they already have there really nicely. Uh, next selection was Amelia Villado from the Western Jets with pick 25. She's a ruck. She's quite a flexible option for Collingwood. She's an undersized ruck who is smart enough to use that to her advantage. So with Eliza Hines having um, retired at the end of the season, I think she's a really interesting proposition in terms of her ability to hit the ground level and become a fifth midfielder for the side. And sometimes she doesn't even, you know, go up in the ruck if she knows that she can set something else up that's better. So I like the idea of them playing her in tandem with Shani Layton because she doesn't always have to be played in the ruck. Mm. But when she does go in, she can provide a complete point of difference to throw the opposition off. So I really like the idea of that. Yeah. 
Uh, next pick was Joanna Lynn from the Oakley Chargers with pick 26. Yeah, so Joanna Lynn, she's quite similar to Tani Brown in the respect that she's a she's the type of midfielder that complements rather than just adds to what Collingwood already have. She works really hard. She's really smart on the field, but she's got really good decision-making and skills to back that up. Um, I, I think for her to get a game, either Collingwood are going to have to move some players around, so maybe play some mids forward or something like that, or some injury is going to have to happen for her to get an opportunity. But I think once she does get the opportunity, she's absolutely going to make the most of it. Uh, the next selection was Abby Maloney uh, from the Sandringham Dragons with pick 31. She's a forward. Yeah, so she's pretty much a direct replacement for Katie Lynch, who they, they traded to the Dogs um, mm. earlier in the year. She's a really strong mark. She likes to roam the forward 50 arc. I'm, I'm interested to see how her follow-up kicking is um, because that was the issue with Katie Lynch was that she's a brilliant mark but so often just let down with the kicking. Um, so if they can develop, Abby Maloney's set shots in particular, I think that will really help bolster their forward line that is still looking like the tricky part of the field for them. Um, so pre-trade, your assessment of Collingwood was that they needed some depth in their rebound defenders and also a key forward. You think they've addressed those issues? Yeah, so we haven't discussed any of the undrafted free agents, which we won't be able to today, unfortunately, but they, they did get Bella Smith, who is a rebounding defender. So I think she definitely slots into that role for them, um, given we're not sure whether Ash Brazel will be back for next year mm. or for how many games she'll be able to play. Um, and then the forward line, I think the forward line will continue to be an issue for them because the forwards that they have brought in are very young. Mm. We know that key position forwards, are it's a kind of role that you need a little bit of experience to really dominate games. So I think we'll see sparks from Collingwood next year where their forward line seems to click um, with Abby Green and with um, even Velado going in and with Abby Maloney. But I think they're not going to find the consistency in that forward line next year. It might take another year for that to mm. happen. Unless unless they play Chloe Malloy forward all year. But even then, Chloe Malloy's set shot kicking is another issue for them. Like Chloe Malloy can take great marks similar to Katie Lynch. She can do all those things, but she'll often kick one goal three or zero goals five. or, or Like she has that kind of reliability in front of goal. Um, which is my only issue with her game. She's an incredible player, but that's the only issue in her game is if they're going to play her forward, she needs to kick goals. Next club is Fremantle, your second favourites, or is it kind of equal billing now? Well, I am looking at a signed Fremantle poster um, up in my uh, studio oh, here. How did how did that <laughs> occur? <laughs> Some sneaky people. Uh Decided to get it sent over. Um, I love Fremantle. I, I just really respect what they do and how they go about it. And I think a lot of clubs could look to them for tips in terms of how they treat their women's program and how they treat, I guess, the kind of recruiting and the kind of team strategy they've got. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, their first pick was Sarah Veria from Peel Thunder with pick 14. So um, I think Sarah Veria might be 
the most Fremantle selection we could have seen, if that makes sense. Um, she has the ability to really play anywhere on the ground. She's a defender, but she can play anywhere. And I think with Alex Williams coming back from injury next year, Laura Pugh and Evie Gooch had really strong years this year. I think if Veria gets a game next year, it'll, it won't be in defence unless there's injury to one of those players, which hopefully it's not. Um, but I think she'll be kind of that player that um, they rely on to fill gaps for them around the field as things do unfold throughout the season. Mm. Uh, the next selection was Michaela Morrison from East Perth with pick 30. She's a forward. Yeah, she's a high-flying forward. She's like the Roxy Rue of this year, effectively, yep. who I love, we know. Um, don't we all? <laughs> if you don't, then you're just wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you don't like Roxy Rue, you hate football. Yeah, pretty much. That is the truth. Yes. <laughs> we'll put um, that on the T-shirt. <laughs> new siren match. Yeah. <laughs> Roxy Rue is everything. Yeah. Um, Michaela Morrison, she, yeah, she is a high-flying forward, but the thing that I really like about her is that she doesn't shy away from two-way running. She She's willing to do the hard work. It's not just about the flashy stuff up forward. She's willing to put her body on the line, which, again, is a very Fremantle trait. Like, they're led by Kiara Bowers, who uh, just demonstrates that week in, week out, which means everyone else follows that line and I really love that Michaela Morrison has the flashy stuff in her game but she's also willing to do the rest of it yeah this one was a oh. feel-good story wasn't it I uh, did yell I did yell yes. when this happened <laughs> uh with their final selection Frio picked Tia Haynes Subiaco with pick 46 so she's obviously a familiar face. She's mm. back on Fremantle's list. She was delisted at the end of 2018 um, when they had a lot of list changes happening She's a defender who who's really gone to, to work to get back on a list, and we saw the emotion of it um, when Fremantle shared that video and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But she just proves that she wants to be there, and she's done the work to get there. Um, I think that when she played in the WA All Under Eighteen All Stars, well, it wasn't really Under Eighteen, but it was the All Stars in the lead up to the draft. She just looked a step above everyone else on the field, but it was her leadership that you could see on the field mm -hmm. that really stood out. And I'm really excited to see how she's used next year because I think she will get games. It just depends on what happens to Fremantle season because we know that list is so deep. It's going to be hard to push into the side, but I think once you push into the side and prove yourself, it's hard to lose your spot. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, pre-trade period... Your assessment of Frio, of Frio was really there's not many holes to plug. <laughs> well, it's true, um, yeah. And they they'll also have some players returning from injury like Steph Kane, etc. Um, but you suggested that perhaps a key defender, and perhaps a young outside mid slash winger. Yeah, so I mean they've kind of done that, um, but in a slightly different way to what maybe I expected to happen. Um, mm. They found versatile players that can do those jobs. Um, I think they've definitely got the kinds of players that can play one-on-ones in defence, um, but they've also those players can also do other things. So I think it's all about versatility at Fremantle. The other thing is they got Jess Trend in, who is a huge, mm. huge get. Her confidence but also her composure, silky skill, she's a smooth mover. 
um, and she can be used in the midfield or at half back. So I think that is going to also shuffle a few players around um, out of those positions too. Yeah. Okay. Now on to Geelong. God, we're flying through these. Yes. Geelong's first selection was Darcy Maloney from the Geelong Falcons with pick 10. Have we all seen the video of her punching the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Such a good reaction. Uh, Cats fans are very excited about her for a really good reason. She's just an incredibly skillful ball winner in the middle. But the thing that really stands out is she's able to create really really good ball movement out of stoppage. She doesn't get stuck in the in and under. She can break away from stoppage. She's got that burst of speed. So her addition to the young midfield they've already got is just really encouraging and scary for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next selection was Laura Gardner, also from the Geelong Falcons with pick 20. So she's very similar to the selection of Darcy Maloney, another young, skillful midfielder to add to that group. Um I, I like the idea of Laura Gardner um, because she's quite similar to Anne Hatchard. She's happy to do the dirty work. She's happy to get in and under and be the person to get that quick little handball out to clear. Um, she works really hard defensively as well. She's got that contested side to a defensive game too. I think that these two mids are going to see Rochelle Cranston played forward a lot more next year. Mm. And with Rochelle Cranston forward, maybe like, having short bursts in the midfield to just mix it up. I think it gives them so much, um, just like a point of difference. They're able to try different things throughout games because of these players. Yeah. Uh, the next selection was Olivia Barber from the Murray Bush Rangers with pick 21. Yeah, so obviously the issue this year for Geelong was that they needed to be playing their two talls um, for more of the season. Obviously injury didn't allow them to do that. Kate Darby will be missing the 2021 season as she's pregnant. Congratulations, Kate. But it also did create a bit of a problem for the Cats who already needed more players like that and to having to have lost her um, was going to be difficult. I think Olivia Barber is going to be a player who comes straight in because they desperately need a key forward to come in and help Phoebe McWilliams. And um, I think Olivia Barber may start maybe a little bit slowly. She'll definitely grow as the season progresses and we'll see some really good stuff from her in the back half of the season. Uh, this next one was awesome story. Steph Williams, Darwin Buffalo's Geelong Falcons, pick 27. Oh, she's such an exciting player and I think she's going to benefit from having two key forwards in that team as well. Um, she's a small forward who gets really proactive around the goal. She works very, very hard. She, I think, can grow with Barber in that combination for the long term. Um, if they can get some chemistry between them, that's going to be a really scary prospect once the ball goes inside 50 for Geelong. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and their final selection was Carly Ramos. Oh, again, from the Geelong Falcons uh, with pick surprise. 39. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> pick 39. Um, yeah, so I think Carly is more of a development prospect for, for them. I doubt she'll see much footy next year. Um, she's come over from basketball. She's a midfielder, but she's quite tall for a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a real desire to learn and improve, though. So I think being in the AFLW program next year is going to see her develop much quicker than she would have otherwise. So I think picking her up now with the hope that in 2022 she's going to be able to have a really big impact. That's kind of the mindset there. So pre-trade period, uh, the biggest 
question marks for Geelong were a marking key forward and a one-on-one defender. How do you think they fared? I think obviously with the key forward, we've discussed that already. In terms of one-on-one defenders, they do have the personnel there, but they don't have much depth if something goes wrong. But I think the thing with Geelong is their mids are so multi-talented that if they need, they can put one of them back there. Like you could put Julia Crockett Grills or Danielle Higgins back into that um, defensive one-on-one. Their competitiveness, their skill will allow them to fill that position until the required player comes back. Um, I think injury will have a lot of say in Geelong's season next year, though. If they get two, two or three injuries to key players, I think that could derail them. But if they don't cop that, I think they could be very, very damaging. So it's just almost luck at this point for them. Yeah. Uh, next club is Gold Coast. With their first selection, they picked Anise Bradfield from Bond University with pick seven. Gemma is uh, waving her Gold Coast Suns scarf at me currently. Yes. Uh, Anise, who... Oh, yeah, I sorry. Hope, We're talking about trades. <laughs> I, uh, I really hope her nickname is Star. I, I did make this joke on Twitter. This is my contribution. <laughs> this is the third time I've heard you make this joke. <laughs> Star and East with yes. <laughs> She's a winger uh, or a forward who loves to work into space um, and move the ball really quickly. So I think the really important thing for her to contribute next year will be the link between defence and forward. Um, the Suns have found once they do get the ball into space, they're very, very damaging, but they find it really hard to get that first hurdle I think she can be key in helping that happen because she is that really classy winger she's smart so she can read the game well enough to create those options leaving defense okay the next selection feel good story chapter two Sarah Perkins from Hawthorne pick 23 yes um I am so excited about this. Um, I actually was speaking to Sam Virgo not long before the draft, but after it had been announced that Gold Coast were interested, um, they couldn't be more excited to have Sarah there. They couldn't rate her highly enough, um, including David Lake, their coach. So she, her goal kicking, her set shots are obviously a standout thing that everyone knows about. That's what she's known for. But the thing that Sarah Perkins does above and beyond is once the ball hits the ground, her second and third efforts are better than anyone else's. She never, ever gives up on a contest. And then she can also go and chop out in the ruck. So her kicking skills are just one aspect to the whole picture. And I think her being a key target up forward will benefit not just Kalinda Howarth or Kate Sermon, but a couple of the other draftees that we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, next selection was Madison Levi from Bond University, pick 50. Yeah, super, super athletic and can really jump at the ball, but also at ground level she's got that agile kind of step out of way, out of traffic. Um, I think given their depth in defence, she'll be used mostly as a foil for Perkins up forward, which mm. will be really exciting because I think she can learn so much from Sarah Perkins' forward craft. Um, she's also one that's been part of the Suns Academy. So as I said, she's been adapt. Um, developed to be really agile and adaptable within game. So 
that seems to be the strategy of both Queensland teams is finding players that are versatile enough that on game day, not just in terms of team selection, but on game day, you can make a lot of moves if you need. And she's one of those players. Now, the next selection you were also pretty happy about. Uh, Super pumped. <laughs> Janet, Janet Baird from Palmerston with pick 54. Yeah, so she's been to – this is the third draft she's nominated for. She's finally been picked up. Um, she's just a genuine leader on the field, you can tell, but she's also just super, super smart. You'll see if, if there's the option to gather the ball but a knock-on would be better, she's the first one to think of it and execute it. Um, but also she's really nippy around goals, so she can really be one of those small forwards that can benefit from Sarah Perkins being there and – Expect her to bob up kind of like Kalinda Howarth did this year and kick a kick a handful of goals in a couple of games. Uh, the next selection was Lucy Single from Bond University with pick 57. Another super athletic player. She's got a rugby background. Um, she's known mostly as a midfielder, but she can also be really beneficial pushing back into defence and supporting. Um, she's tough. She's come a really long way in a short period of time. I think her speed and agility will really lean into what the Suns are wanting to do. So I expect she'll probably get a debut throughout next year, but maybe not play a consistent number of games. Yeah. Uh, next selection, Bess Keeney from the Southern Saints, pick 58. I'm really excited about Bess. She's a she's a really good story out of the draft. She actually broke her leg late last year and has been doing all of her rehab and her conditioning in isolation down in Melbourne. So for her to not only be picked up but be a prospect for the Suns in terms of their really exciting young list and being able to learn from the kinds of players that are on that list is very, very exciting. She is a natural ball winner. Um, I don't know. I don't know how she'll fit in the midfield um, given the talent that they've got, but I, I would expect David Lake has picked her up with the prospect of turning her into something else potentially out in space on the wing maybe. Okay, next selection. This is one of the best AFLW names going around. Daisy Darcy from Hermit Park with pick 60. can't believe you didn't say that about Zimmy. Well, Zimmy, um, Zimmy does have a great name. Yeah. Uh, Daisy probably went later than a lot of people expected her to, but I, I know given the state-based nature of the draft, it doesn't say a lot. Super agile, can get out of – get get out of contests really beautifully. Um again, she's got she's got a rugby background. She's played a lot of different sports. So she's got that kind of creativity on the field that some, you know, just straight out footy players don't necessarily have. Um she's another who spent time at the Suns Academy. So again, very versatile, can play anywhere you need her to play. Yep. Uh and their final selection was Wallace Randall from Bon Uni and Mackay with pick 61. Yeah, so she's an ex-basketballer. Um, she's playing mostly as a running defender, reads the game really, really well. I think she'll play really well and learn a lot from Paige Parker, who plays that role for the Suns right now. Um, clearly the Suns are going for that run and gun kind of tactic, get the strong defence that will lock it down and then be able to launch out of there, and they've definitely drafted to be able to do that. Okay, uh, their needs pre-trade period, which which may have been largely addressed with um, Drennan, uh, yeah. but 
a calm decision maker with a clean kick on the wing, yep. but also for that exit kick from defence. And the other thing that you wanted for Gold Coast was a tall forward. Yeah, so I think they've nailed that down really, really well. Obviously, Sarah Perkins, Madison Levi and Ali Drennan really do identify that. But also some of these other talented players, Daisy Darcy, you know, um, guys like that who can grow into those roles in terms of the exit out of defence. And I think the defensive players they had this year, a lot of them who it was their first year back in footy, so Jade Progelli, Lauren Ahrens, players like that, they're going to only get better next year. So we're going to see them be able to get out of that defensive line a lot better next year, I think, than what they were this year. Yeah. Okay. Next club, last of the Gs, (laughs) Greater Western Sydney. (laughs) Their first selection was Tani Evans from Queanbeyan with pick nine. She's a winger. She's 180 centimetres. Yeah. What a freak, right? Like in the best possible way. Um, She's strong in the air like you would expect a 180-centimetre player to be. Uh, so she can play as a key position player if they need. But the Giants absolutely need classy wingers, and they've definitely got one in um, Tani Evans. I think she w- will really complement. And, and we said this after the trade period conversation, and I think we had a big talk about this, was mm. the Giants just have so many of the same kind of player that contested inside mid slash small defender, lockdown defender player, but they didn't have anything to complement it on the outside and it continues to be a problem for them. I think Tani Evans is the first step in fixing that. Okay, Giants' next selection was Emily Pease from Belconnen with pick 29. Yeah, so she's a she's a defender with a massive kick, which is the thing that she's most known for, but she also can – she has the fitness and the endurance to push up onto the wing and impact there as well. So she's got a background in athletics. So her speed is like a genuine asset for her. So I think the thing that she'll be able to bring to the Giants, um, other than just being a really good assistant for um, Pepper Randall and Tanya Hetherington back in defense, and obviously Kat Smith, who's just joined the club, but her speed in terms of defensive pressure, not just with ball but without, I think that is going to be a massive, massive plus for the Giants. Uh, and their final selection was Libby Graham from Manly Warringah with pick 42. So she's another one who I think will be great um, support for those um, more experienced defenders. She's an intercept marking defender. She was their injury replacement player this year, so she's already – She already knows the players. She already knows Mm. the way the club works. So she's going to fit right in. But I think, um, you know, it it depends on what sort of defensive game the Giants want to play as to whether she plays or whether Emily Pease plays. I think that is a bit of a toss-up because both could easily slot into that defensive line, but it depends on what sort of um, forward line you're coming up against. Yeah. Now, in terms of their needs, I've only got two words here. Outside mids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean. We've, we've kind of covered it off. but Yeah. And, I mean, that's something that Pease could be used as um, on the outside with her speed. They could even push a player like Lisa Steen or someone like that up further up the field now that these other two have come in. So, there's definitely the players there now just depending on how you shuffle them. But the Giants have been reluctant in the past to use certain players in certain positions. So I think a lot of it for the Giants comes down to 
team selection and positioning on game day. Yeah. Okay, next club, Melbourne, your Ds. Yes, the Ds. Well, they got things off to a flyer with their first selection, Alyssa Bannon from the Northern Knights with pick five. I am so happy about this, honestly. <laughs> like She's a jet. I literally cheered when the dogs did not take her at number two. <laughs> Actually, we did discuss this. Was, was the cheer bigger when you heard the Bulldogs selection or Melbourne's? A hundred percent the Bulldogs because I knew Melbourne would take <laughs> Um, I think she's the most perfect fit of any draftee this year. And I know that seems biased coming from a Melbourne supporter, but I think that she is exactly what Melbourne needed. And they proved that this year. I've actually been going through and doing some um, scoring statistics from the past four years of each club. And, and Melbourne's scoring has, <laughs> yes, laugh at me. That's true. It's for something specific. It's for something, I promise. Um, but Melbourne's scoring just continues to be a problem for them. So the idea of Alyssa Bannon, who is a great person off the field as much as she is on and super, super skillful, lead up forward, can take contested marks. Mm. Um, the idea of her and and Eden Zanker leading Melbourne's forward line for the long term is such an exciting prospect. Like these are two of the best young forwards that we're going to see in the competition and they're going to be playing in the same forward line together. Like that is unbelievable. Yeah, it's exciting. She's really good at ground level too for her size. Yeah. Um, their next selection was Eliza McNamara from the Sandringham Dragons with pick 15. Yeah, so she's the kind of player that I think is perfect to develop under Karen Paxman. Her yeah. endurance is the thing that stands out and that's obviously something that Karen Paxman is well known for as well. I think having someone like Karen Paxman to mentor her is going to make her such a good player um, again, for the long term, Melbourne drafted for the long term. She's mm. pretty quick as well as um, got good good endurance. So I think she probably is the replacement for Alicia Newman, um, who yeah. was playing quite high up the field and then running forward. I think that's the role they're going to want her to play in next year. Mm. Uh, the next selection was Maggie Karras from the Greater Western Victoria Rebels with pick 17, and she's a ruck. Yeah, so she's 189 centimetres, I think, from memory. Um, or, she's or maybe the, a winger. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's the younger sister of, I think you say, Rennie Karras from um, Geelong. The thing that stands out about Maggie Karras is for quite a tall, and this is not meant to be offensive, but quite gangly, like lanky player, mm. she's got a very good reaction time and her skills are very good. So that's what makes her really exciting and so highly rated like to be able to take a player like her who probably won't play in 2021 let's be honest mm. so high it's because they know she's got the skill to develop under someone like lauren pierce under yeah. a rock coach like greg stafford she will be the lauren pierce of years to come um but i don't think she gets the opportunity next year just because of lauren pierce being there you know unless the injuries happen again you know yeah uh, the next selection was Megan Fitzsimon from Gippsland Power with pick 35. Yeah, so she's one that I think we can compare pretty closely to Tyler Hanks, um, who is a midfielder, a small mid, but will start her career as a small forward and work her way into the midfield. Um, 
I, I think that is very much how it's going to work because we're going to see Tyler Hanks play a lot more midfield time next year mm. and Megan Fitzsimon will kind of take that place up forward that she had. Um, I, she comes from like a soccer background. The thing that she can do really well is that she can use both sides of the body, which yeah. makes her so much more dangerous. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next selection was Mieta Kendall from the Eastern Rangers pick 41. Yeah, so she's a defender who's really good at reading the play. Um, with Melbourne having lost Ainsley Kemp to delisting and Harriet Cordner to trade in the offseason and Sarah Lampard coming off an ACL that was done quite late in the season, Melbourne did need to find some more defenders. Um, Mietta Kendall is that kind of player. I think she is going to find opportunity um, purely because of a lack of depth Melbourne have in defence right now, and this is the reason they've drafted players like her. She she doesn't give up. She Her second, third efforts are always there. So I think she's going to – that's going to put her in good stead when she's in a defensive line that has Daisy Pierce and Meg Downey down there. Uh, and their final selection was Isabella Simmons, also from the Rebels, with pick 48. Yeah, so Simmons is really raw, a raw talent. She's really exciting but probably won't see any game time next year either. Um, she has the potential to play as a really strong lead-up forward, but she doesn't have that forward craft yet. So she, at the moment, is playing a lot of her footy on the wing. She's got a very penetrating left foot kick, so she can be used there if they need her there. But I think what the plan is with her is, again, to just develop her as a key forward and then bring her in in the years to come. Uh, in terms of needs, uh, you were concerned, similarly with Carlton, just that connection between the midfield and forward line. Uh, you were looking for them to get a winger with you know that could have clean forward entries, uh, probably freeing up Kate Hall a bit. Yeah, I think... Kate Hoare is actually that person now that there's another key forward. Yeah. Um, I think that happening means Kate can play higher up the field, but also there is there are a couple of options in there that they do have that they can play on the wing. We've got to remember as well that Shelley Heath um, missed a lot of the season this year because she got her appendix out mid-season. So there are the players there for Melbourne who just weren't able to get on the park this year. I think my big question still for Melbourne, and I haven't looked too closely at the whole list just yet, but off the top of my head, I just don't think there's enough key defensive stocks um, there. Yeah, that was my that was my next point because it wasn't a topic or a need area pre-trade period, but the loss of Cordner yeah. um, kind of opens that vulnerability, I guess. that So that was the next point I was going to make. Do they need some depth in that in that key defensive role? Yeah, I I mean, Tegan Cunningham's the other big question is they've got tools, but they're all sitting up forward. So are we gonna see some shuffling of players around? Um, or are they gonna try and play someone that's maybe a little bit undersized as a key defender? Uh, we saw Meg Downey miss a lot of this season through illness as well. If that were to happen again, Melbourne's screwed really when it comes to a key defender. So I, I'm genuinely pretty worried about that part of the ground. But other than that, I think Melbourne's really set. So I guess it's watch this space. Um, where do you see Sloan slotting in? She's not, I don't think she's tall enough to be a true key defender. I think she plays in the back line. I think she probably takes the slot of Sarah Lampard until Lampard is back. Mm. Um, but I just don't think she's a key defender. I don't think she's big enough, to be mm. honest. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, next club, North yes. Melbourne. Yes. Well, technically they're the... North Melbourne Tasmanian North Kangaroos. Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. Thank you. <laughs> uh, their first selection was Isabella Eddy from the Sandringham Dragons with pick 13. Yeah, so I like to think Isabella Eddy is just a almost a direct replacement for Jess Trent, who's mm. gone over to Freya, we've already discussed. Um, she's a smooth-moving, composed, good ball user that can sit across that half-back line and direct play. Uh, the next selection was Alice O'Loughlin from the Oakley Chargers with pick 22. Yeah, so she's one, um, she knows how to find the goals, but I think she's more of a development selection for the Roos who already have quite a deep list so they can take chances on players like this because they're not needing them to immediately come in, have an impact or immediately come in and be a mature player for them. Um, I think she'll learn a lot from players like Caitlin Ashmore and Jasmine Garner just in terms of their goal sense. So I think that is going to be the priority for her next year. Oh, the next selection, <laughs> Feel Good Story, Chapter 3. <laughs> Georgia Hammond from the Darabin Falcons with pick 44. Now, do you want me to take this one? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, Georgia Hammond is a key forward. She has got great hands, uh, can absolutely roost a footy. Absolutely. I don't know if you saw her 79,000-metre goal from the other <laughs> side of the centre circle at Sandringham last year. Yes, I have. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, she um, she also can pinch hit in the ruck. Um, but, yeah, she's she's another player that's nominated for the draft every single year. Um, she was a train-on player for North Melbourne uh, and she's finally got her opportunity and I am just absolutely over the moon for her. She's just really worked really hard to get there. Well, that's the thing. She's such a hard worker and I think that is the standard we need to be setting when it comes to AFLW players. If you've got the skill, that's great, but you need to be working hard to back that up and she's absolutely that kind of player. Yeah. And, and I, I was kind of thinking about this when we were talking about Tia Haynes as well. You know, there's there's girls that have been overlooked or they've been on lists and been delisted and, and you know, are now getting opportunities. And I guess that's just a message to to young players or or even mature age players that they you know they may think they've missed their opportunity, but if you keep working at your craft, opportunities do come up. Well, Janet Baird as well is another one. Ash yeah, Woodland, sure. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, North Melbourne's next selection was Brooke Brown from Launceston. I think she's the only Tasmanian player selected. Correct. Yeah, um, and they took her with pick forty nine. So she's a 23-year-old ex-basketballer. Um, she's quite tall, 184 centimetres. So I think they see her as a bit of an Abby Green replacement who's gone to Collingwood. I think the idea with her isn't necessarily to get her in and play forward every single week, but I think she may get one or two games to get a taste of it like they did with Abby Green last year or this year, sorry. Um, there's not a lot to know about her except that she's just super athletic, and just needs to learn that forward craft a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and their final selection was another father-daughter selection, Amy Smith from Williamstown. Yeah, I think she's quite similar to Isabella Eddy, um, smooth moving, good ball user, very, very composed. Um, she's quite raw, another who's made the switch from basketball. Um, so I think she'll have to really work her way into the side because, again, remember how deep North Melbourne's list is these debutantes are going to have to work their butts off to get into the side or they're just going to have to, you know, 
wait for an injury to happen. So I think there's opportunity there for these players to push in, but they need to work very, very hard to get there. Yeah. Uh, in terms of their needs, uh, probably a little similar to Frio, not a lot of holes to plug. Uh, they've got a really strong and flexible list, uh, but one uh, area that you did identify was a tall forward. Yeah, so they have done that. Um I'll be interested to see how they shuffled around. I I think of any of the players they've drafted other than Isabel Eddy, I do think Hammond is one that could come in, have an immediate impact for them. The other thing that Hammond has over the others is that she plays against bigger bodies in yeah. the VFLW and has for many years. Yeah. So that's something that she has over them. So I would love to see her up in the forward line alongside um, Emma King, really. I yeah. think that's really exciting. Yeah, and, and I think also... Getting back to Georgia Hammond, just being in that um, AFLW environment, yeah, it's just gonna like she's gonna go to the next level for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, next club, Richmond. So the Tigers had pick one and didn't surprise anyone when they selected Ellie McKenzie from the Northern Knights. I'm so excited for Ellie McKenzie. She's such a jet. She's a, another one who's just worked her butt off and another beneficiary of the unbroken pathway, she's going to have immediate impact. And I think Mon Conti is happier than anyone right now that yeah. they've picked up Ellie McKenzie because they desperately needed more class in the midfield. Um, so her and Mon Conti are going to form a really strong partnership, I think, in that midfield. She's she's not the solution to all their problems, but I think she's one step towards writing the ship at Richmond. Uh, and they didn't have another selection until pick 43. Uh, and with that pick, they selected Tessa Levy, uh, who is a basketball convert. Well, we say basketball convert. She's a bit different to the other basketball converts we've talked about today. She's actually never played footy before. Um, it's not like the other basketballers who have played some years at community level or things like that. The only footy kind of stuff she's done is some skills training with Richmond yeah. in the lead up to the draft. Um, I think the mindset behind drafting her is looking at what Adelaide did with Jess Foley and modelling it on that. Mm. Um, I think Jess Foley was an aberration as much as she was amazing. I don't think that that's going to always happen. I, I more than anyone would love to see Tess Levy come, Tessa Levy come in and be able to do that. But I think it's going to be very much a baptism by fire. I think she's going to get early opportunity because Richmond don't have a necessarily deep list, especially when it comes to talls. Um, so I think because of that, she will get early games and I think it'll take her a little bit to warm into the season because it's just, it's such a big shock to the system when you play a contact sport, sport like footy for the first time. It's not like going from Gaelic football across. It's a very different experience. I think it's that's going to be the issue for Tessa Levy is I don't question her athleticism or anything. It's just about getting her body used to football. That's mm. going to be the thing. Yeah. I mean, but of, of all the sports, I think basketballers do um, – they do kind of cross over to, to footy the easiest, I think. Yeah, the athleticism involved in basketball does lend itself really well to a footy field. It's just that, you know, you don't get tackled in basketball. Yeah, but there is a lot of body work and positioning yeah. and, you know, making space for the drop of the ball and things like that. Like basketballers just kind of have that innate ability to do yeah. that. Um, I, I mean, I don't even know how, like, how tall is she? Do we, do we know? 174 centimetres, I think. Okay, so she's not. 
she's she's no winger then (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness me this is what i do i'd shelve things and bring them out later no you are the best callback person ever (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah look interesting interesting selection if it works then it would be great to for everyone to be proven wrong like it'd be such a great story if it works totally yeah totally uh and their final selection was luca lasoski hay from their vflw team uh with pick 52 yeah so um luca was richmond's nominated injury replacement player this year she comes off richmond's vflw list that doesn't exist anymore, but she has been part of their system. Um, she's a really tough midfielder, so I think uh, a fairly good replacement for Grace Campbell out of that midfield. Mm. Um, I just think the skill development probably needs to happen a little bit for her to impact Richmond the way Grace Campbell did. Yeah. And I think like in when we've discussed Richmond uh, in our trade period wrap, um, I think we – you know, discuss that they, they probably had some weaknesses in all areas of the ground, um, but you identified their pre-trade needs as needing probably role players, particularly through the midfield and the forward line, you know, players that can that can do the kind of grunt work that brings their their teammates into the game. Yeah, do, and I do, think... Do you think they've, they've addressed that? Sorry to interrupt you. I got a bit excited. Um <laughs> I think they have partially. I don't think they're all the way there yet, but I don't think they were going to fix all their problems in one trade period either. Um, I think Hoskin coming over hugely benefits. Mm. Um, I think losing Grace Campbell is an issue. So it it felt kind of like two steps forward, one step back when that happened. Um, I, I like the inclusion of Sarah Darcy there because I think Sarah Darcy is the kind of player that can actually push up the field and impact in the midfield and allow some others to play forward purely without needing to go into the midfield. I think that would be really beneficial. Um, But again, I think the reliance on Ellie McKenzie straight out of the blocks will be huge, Um, especially kicking from mid forward. Quite often I was watching Richmond play and Mon Conti would be, you know, clear the ball beautifully um, at the on the wing or at the top of the goals, at uh, top of the 50. But there was no movement inside 50. There was no one in the midfield for her to pass it off to. There was just no options for her. Mm. So I think a lot of Richmond's issues um, are going to come from game strategy and being able to follow a game strategy, which is hard to expect when they don't have a coach right now. Um, but the movement inside their forward 50 has as much to do with their delivery in there as the players delivering it. Yep. Okay, next club is St Kilda. With their first selection, they chose Tiana Smith from the Dandenong Stingrays with pick six. Super highly rated midfielder. Um, She's... She's able to burst away from packs and avoid tackle pressure like no one else, which is super exciting. And I think the thing about that that makes me so happy she's at the Saints is that she's going to join a midfield that is made up of really different skills Mm. and they're going to complement one another so well. So Petrikios is that smooth-moving player that can step out of traffic she can burst away. Rosie Dillon is that really hard in and under and Olivia Vesely adds defensive pressure and things like that. So them as a midfield quartet for the long term is going to be incredible. 
yeah. Uh, the next selection, another father-daughter, Alice Burke from the Sandringham Dragons with pick 24. Yeah, so she's she's a mid, but she's a defensive-minded mid. Mm. So fits Peter Searle's game plans spectacularly. Um, I think she's going to have to work really, really hard to break into that midfield because, as I said, there's so much talent there that they've got that is proven. Um, but I think we're, we're more likely to see Burke fill maybe that Alice, Alison Drennan role across mm. the half-back line, defensive but can also read the play well, get the ball and clear the ball from that space. Uh, the next selection was Renee Salidas uh, from the Greater Western Victorian Rebels with pick 34. Yeah, so she is super exciting for the Saints given what they had this year. Um, so the story of the Saints was Caitlin Greiser and her impressive work forward, Kate Sheelaw getting another crack at AFLW level um, as a key forward, you know. So those tall forwards coming in and having an impact. Renee Salitis is like the most pure forward pocket you'll ever see. And the idea of her at the feet of Caitlin Greiser for, the for you know, the next five, ten years is incredible. So we've talked about a couple of forward duos to this point. This is another one where Greiser and Salidas are going to develop a really good partnership that makes the Saints so much more dangerous. We saw the Saints really struggle to score this year if it wasn't through the hands of Greiser, through a, a contested mark or a mark on the lead and a set shot at goal. With Salidas there, I think that makes them more dangerous when the ball goes inside 50. It's not just one way, one avenue to goal anymore. Um, and I think it also puts a bit of a fire underneath Darcy Guttridge to be mm. more proactive around goal. Yeah. And the Saints' final selection was Jackie Vote from the Southern Saints VFLW team uh, with pick 40. Yeah, so being at the Saints um, VFLW side, she's already got that relationship with the players and coaches, which we saw with that Rhiannon Watt um, video as well, calling her. She She's another one who comes from a soccer background. Um she reads the ball very, very well as it comes forward. And she's also got a really good defensive side to her game. So that forward pressure is something she can really provide. Uh, and in terms of their needs, uh, you identified outside speed and re rebounding options from defence. Do you think they've addressed those? Yeah, I think the, the defensive rebound they've definitely done. Um, I think the outside speed is probably more going to come through um, some shuffling of players. So Molly McDonald will spend more time on the outside now that they have um, Smith in. Um, and then Kate McCarthy coming back into the side, you know, those sorts of players yeah. coming back in. But I think it's more they had the speed, they just had to use it elsewhere. Now with a few of these movements, they can move those players to the outside like they need. Yeah. Okay. Second last team, West Coast Eagles. Their first Ooh. selection was Isabella Lewis from Claremont with pick number three. Yeah, so obviously the highest rated talent in WA. Uh, she's an inside mid. So if there was anything the West Coast didn't need, it was an inside mid. But mm. with the state they were in, you just take as much talent as is available and Isabella Lewis was that person. Um, I think she'll develop really quickly under Emma Swanson and Dana Hooker, but I would, I would really love to see her find a little bit more outside ball because that will benefit the Eagles more than anything. Yeah. Uh, the next selection was Sinead Davison from Swan Districts with pick 18. You were pretty excited about this one too. 
Yeah, so she's another one who went to the draft last year and didn't get picked up. Um, I think there were people surprised that West Coast didn't pick her up last year given mm. their lack of tall forwards. Um, so she's a high-flying forward. We've all seen that video of her taking that absolute screamer online. Oh, Unbelievable, Mark. She's just got a really good energy as well, and she's been mentored, I believe, by Ebony Antonio. So she's got a really good footy brain um, from learning from someone like Ebony. I think that while she can play in the midfield, I think they're just going to need to keep her at home up forward and her be the central target up forward because other than her, you know, Grace Kelly is the only other tall forward they've got. So mm. I think she's going to have to spend the season as their key forward, working on forward craft, leading at the ball, um, you know, constantly moving inside that forward 50 to create options. Um, I would love to see her chemistry with Kelly Gibson. I know they're mates. Um, I would love to see that translate on the field as well because Kelly Gibson we know can be very good but had a very down year this year. I want to see more from Kelly Gibson and I think yeah. Sinead Davidson is the one, Davison is the one to bring that out of her. Yeah. Uh, the next selection was Julianne Norrish from East Fremantle with pick 32. Yeah, so I think she direct, comes straight into the side with Talia Redan having retired. Yeah. Um, she's a defender who has the ability to play both tall and small. So that's a that's a huge benefit um, in terms of versatility for the Eagles. Um, Defence was probably the one area of the ground that they were fairly solid in this year. So I think her directly replacing Talia Redan would be kind of one-in, one-out situation. Yeah. Uh, and their final draft selection was Andrea Gilmore from Claremont, pick 43. Yeah, so she was their injury replacement player this year. Um, the Eagles actually were able to elevate her because of Alicia Jans's uh, knee injury. She didn't end up playing. She's, which, you know, they probably could have used her because she's a tall forward with really good hands. She is a bit older though, so I think this is maybe one or two years and she'll be moved on. Um, but I would love to see her played in the forward line with Sinead Davidson able to be her foil a little bit, um, able to give a little bit of breathing space but also stretch defences. If they can play smartly, they can stretch defences between the two of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, my question was do they need midfield depth? Um, but your the need that you identified was a tall and small forward duo. Yeah, so I think Sinead Davison with Kelly Gibson creates that duo. Mm. Um, the midfield was an issue for them this year, not on the inside but on the outside. Yeah. So I think in all but one game, which was the game that they won, they won the clearances but lost the game. Yeah. Um, this is because, you know, Dana Hooker and Emma, Emma Swanson are great at winning the ball out of the middle, but once they get it to the outside, there's no one there to support them. So what they desperately needed was those players on the outside. They didn't seem to target those players. I love that they've got some running defenders. I love that they've got some key forwards, but the fact that they still don't have that outside run um, is going to be an issue for them. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And they're another team without a coach without still. A coach. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um Okay, final team, Western Bulldogs. Their first selection, they selected Jess Fitzgerald from the Northern Knights with pick number two. Yeah, so this is the pick that dictated most of the Victorian top ten, much yep. to my pleasure because I was very happy with how that worked out. <laughs> um, 
she's exactly the kind of player I think Ellie Blackburn and Kirsty Lamb will be excited to be playing with because they desperately needed some support in the midfield and Jess Fitzgerald is the player that can do that. She has proven ability not just in terms of winning the ball but in terms of clearing congestion. So she's that breakaway player. I think I think her addition, um, similar to what I said about the Saints, will allow them to free up some other players to do things that they ultimately wanted them to do but couldn't give in their personnel. So I think she's going to cause a bit of a domino effect in terms of positioning. Mm. Uh, their next selection was Sarah Hartwig from the Sandringham Dragons, pick 11. Yes, Sarah. Um, she's the highest rated defender of this year's draft crop. Again, I'm a bit disappointed Melbourne weren't able to get her because Melbourne could have used a defender like her. Mm. Um, she's not just a really good one-on-one defender, but she's a really reliable interceptor and rebounder. So she can do all of those things. Um, I think her coming into the side, I think we'll see her debut really early. I also think that her coming into the side will allow Gabby Newton to play forward. Mm. So Gabby Newton was the number one pick last year. She's a key forward, but she played the whole season in defence this year with Isabella, uh, Isabel Huntington, who, again, another key forward. I think we see Huntington stay in defence because she reads the, the game too well and she directs play too well for them mm. to move her. Yeah. But the thing about Newton is that she's she was the highest tackler for the dogs this year. She's a really good pressure player for a key forward. So being able to move her up forward because of Sarah Hartwig coming into defence means that the dogs will be able to retain the ball inside 50 a lot more and have another forward target, which I think will really benefit them. Uh, And their final selection was Isabel Pritchard from the Western Jets with pick 16. Yeah, so another one who I think will come straight into the side. She's a really strong intercept marker, but she also has the potential to play up the field. So I like the idea of Hartwig staying at home in defence and with her rebound, finding Pritchard up on the wing as that strong marking target that can be that outlet out of defence because she does read the ball so well in the air. So I like that combination. Um, Hopefully we see that come to fruition in a couple of years' time. Um, uh, Yeah, and the needs that you identified was midfield support for Blackburn and McLeod and contested inside mids for depth. Yeah, so... I think they've nailed that. And, again, like I think we're going to see a lot of players playing in different positions than they did this year for the Dogs. Well, that brings us to the end of each draft selection. What the heck? I know. Um, so to just to round out our draft chat, who do you think were the big winners from this year's draft? Before I answer that, I want to hear what you think. Uh, well, I'm not... I'm not the uh, draft aficionado that you are. <laughs> but in terms of, like, if, if the point of the draft is to select young talent to see your club through the next five to ten years, then I think Melbourne have done really well. Um, and similarly, like we said earlier with Carlton, they have a crop of scary good mm-hmm. young players all coming through together. Um, I think Brisbane are doing that a little bit too now. Um but, yeah, I would say probably Melbourne and Carlton are the, are the big winners for me. Yeah, so for me, I, I might say four clubs. Is that too many? No. <laughs> so I, I agree with um, Melbourne and Carlton. I think with Melbourne, they were very clear from the very start of the trade period what they were trying to do, and they absolutely did that. It was 
get youth in to set yourselves up for when more expansion happens. They've mm. absolutely done that. They didn't draft any mature recruits or a lot of development prospects in different areas of the ground. Um, I think that makes them real winners. Whether that sees them win the flag next year or not is to be questioned, but I don't think that was the priority of this draft. So I think if they've done what they set out to do, they're definitely winners. Carlton as well, I think they've just found depth or even like value down the road. They have so many players that they could play in different positions now and so many that they can test out because their first choice list is so strong, they can try those things. I think the other two, Geelong, I think Geelong have got some massive, massive um, talent and skill there that when they grow with Purcell, when they grow with Morrison, Higgins, Crockett Grills, those sorts of players, I think that's going to become a really ominous team maybe four or five years down the track. Mm. And I think the Dogs is another one. They worked their way up into a really solid position. They had three picks within um, the top 16. And I think within Victoria it was three picks in the top 11 or something, Mm. top 10. Um, They got talent to grow with what is already a really talented young list that just needs time. So they're all all clubs that have drafted not for right now but for the future and I think that is really exciting. Yeah, and actually like also the thing about the Doggies is it's their their young key position players that are exciting. Like, you know, Izzy Huntington talked about Newton. Um, Morris Dalton. Now Morris Dalton. Now Morris Dalton. Now, 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 now. Um, play her every week next year, player. please. Just play her. Player. <laughs> Nathan, just play her. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like tools, tools take time. You can see with Izzy Huntington, she's had a few years in the system now, you know, despite her injuries. Um, but, yeah, in the, in the next the next five to ten years, like Newton and Morris Dalton, yeah, going to dominate. You know, a bit like Zanker and Bannon. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to say who, but there's an opposition coach who I asked if there was any list they could coach that wasn't their own. Whose would it be? And immediately they said the Dogs because of just yeah. how much young talent they've got. Yeah. So obviously it wasn't Nathan Burke. Mm. <laughs> okay, so we've uh, <laughs> we've talked big winners. Um, which clubs left you with some question marks? So I think there are, are two. You, are you going to make me answer this first, or yeah, for me, go? for me, there are two. But yeah. I want to know who you think first. Okay, <laughs> I have a feeling that ours might be the same. Yeah, I think I think West Coast. Yeah. Um, and I've got to say it, like, and Richmond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the two clubs without a coach. Yes. Yeah, yeah, funny. yeah, that's a very good point. The two clubs that struggled this year, I think they were the two clubs that weren't able to fully identify and solve their problems. While they mm. did find some solutions, I don't think they were able to plug all their holes. I think we probably... Um, should be a little bit harsher on the Eagles purely because they had more picks to choose those options and they weren't able to do that. Um, even when going to undrafted free agency, they still didn't quite choose that outside run that they desperately need, um, whereas the, the Tigers only had the three picks to play with. But I think those are the two where come 
middle of next year, like next year's season, sorry, um, some questions will be raised if some performances aren't better um, based on this draft. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about Ashley McCarthy at the Eagles. I'm aware that Ashley McCarthy is at the Eagles and that she provides outside run. She just is not the only one that can do it. I mm. mean, she's not – they need more than just her is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Well, I think we have just smashed that out of the park, Jim. Yes, I'm pretty happy about it. I did not really prepare very much for this. I just had a blog post that I wrote, so I hope it all made sense. Oh, my God, you didn't prepare. Jesus. <laughs> When, when we decided to record, I was like, sure. And then this afternoon I was like, oh, I didn't actually do oh. anything, so I'm just going to read my blog post. <laughs> well, Jen, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to me. It's no nice problem. to talk to humans. Oh, I know. It's a shame we can't actually do the podcast in person. Uh, but, I, God, I'm just so excited about this next season. It's going to be oh so Oh, my God. Cool. I am losing my mind. I mean, I said before I've been looking at stats. Um, it's for a reason, but also it's making me so excited. <laughs> so um, just keep an eye out for my blog posts about scoring, AFLW scoring. And stats. If you want yeah. an AFLW stat. Come to me. I'm at JL Bastiani on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wrap us up today because... I just am. Um, this has been the second edition of the Siren Podcast, Siren and Women in Sport Collective Podcast. We have recently launched um, our emerging sports writer uh, program, which is for women and non-binary folk who are looking to get into sports writing, sports journalism. I don't like using the word journalism because I don't count myself a journalist, but writing, yes. Um, if you're interested in this sort of thing, definitely head to sirensport.com.au and check it out. If you're not one of those people but want to know how you can support that, um, also go to sirensport.com.au. We have some wonderful pins available that all the funds from that will go directly to funding our emerging sports writer program. So um, keep an eye out for that. We're going to have some great content coming from those writers as well. Um, where can people find you, Alison, if they want to ask you questions about what you said today? Oh, for me, uh, yeah. directly. Oh, yes. well, you can find me on Twitter at Alison Smirnoff, all one word. Smirnoff Excellent. as in the vodka. That is my actual name. <laughs> uh, and if you want to find me, you can find me at GL Bastiani on Twitter. I tweet a lot. Come and talk to me about football. Um, or you can just find us at Siren, Siren underscore sport. We're on that too. Um, anything you want to add, Alison? Just that we're not sponsored by Smirnoff, unfortunately. <laughs> that is true. It um, doesn't bother me because I don't drink, but for those who do drink, it's disappointing. Um, <laughs> this has been the Siren Podcast. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you think about your team's additions and who you're excited to watch play in 2021. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back with another edition of the Siren Podcast soon. We just don't know what about yet. Um, if you've got topics you want to just hear Alice and I talk rubbish about, definitely tell oh, us because we I are totally up for down that. for that. Yes. Totally down for that. <laughs> uh, otherwise, uh, check us out at sirenspot.com.au and we'll see you next time. Bye.